keep watch. A very simple call and encouragement, but I actually wonder if it's enough. It seems almost like um, it's just a little too, you know, like, sure, we'll, we'll watch. And then we get back to what we are doing. We get back to life and all of its activities and all of its busyness and all of its distractions. But is it enough? Does it really inspire us uh, to take to heart in the seriousness that in that day when he comes, that's it, that's the end? Or is it just kind of like, well, sure. Now what are we doing this afternoon? Jesus' admonition to his disciples, my friends, comes after three years of them walking with him, living with him, them ministering with him to, you know, the world and those who he had been sent to. Three years of him teaching them, three years of him discipling them. And then he says, watch. It's kind of like um, what I'm anticipating uh, happening next fall, come August, when Julia packs up her car and gets ready to leave for college. At that point, you know, I could say, now hold on, I want to review everything that I have taught you, everything Martha and I have discipled you in, everything we expect you to hold on to of values. But the truth is, that's no time for me to sit down and give her a full litany or summary of everything that I have been teaching her, we have been teaching her over these 18 years of her life. When she gets in the car, closes the door, and starts the engine, the best I can do is say, be careful, and remember the Lord goes with you. I think to some extent that's a little bit about what the Lord was doing that day for the disciples with him then. And I believe we could also say that that's what he's doing for us today. Rather than me stand here before you going over the last 51 weeks, last 51 Sundays of his teaching of law and gospel, of grace, of mercy, of judgment... He says, now watch and be ready. Be ready. So first comes, you know, the learning, then comes the watching. And what are we watching for? Well, there are three things that I believe are laid out for us. The first one is watch for our enemies. We do have enemies, particularly three enemies sometimes referred to as the unholy three. We have Satan himself, the enemy of God, the one who is trying to pull us away from him, the one who is trying to keep us from entering into and receiving that life eternal that he has prepared for us and he offers freely to us. We have the world that says, listen, we've got all this to offer and it continues to attract us and distract us and to pull us away. And then you and I, we've got our own sinful flesh. 
our own sinful condition, our own desires, our own wants. And all three of these are enemies that try to pull us away. One of the lies that shows up from both the world, from Satan, and if we are honest, also from within ourselves, is that of doubt. When are you going to come, Lord? It's been more than 2,000 years. When are you going to come? When are you going to judge? When are you going to take up with the angels those who believe and bring them into glory? We wonder. Along with Peter who wrote in his second letter about how, you know, where is the promise of his coming? And the world throws all kinds of other lies at us as well, you know, about, you know, well, there's other ways, there's other religions, there's other philosophies, or all of them are the same, just kind of, you know, pick and choose what works for you today. Whatever feels right, whatever feels good, well, I don't know about you, but I can't always trust my feelings. The world keeps coming at us with lies. All of those are the enemy. And then, uh, then we receive the lies about, you know, well, you know, he's coming, and we know exactly when. How many times in your lifetime have you been aware of a group of people or even, you know, religious leaders who have, you know, set out to say, well, he's coming. 1984? How about, um, you know, was it the late 1980s when all the planets were going to be perfectly aligned and there were those who said that would be the day? How about um, Desert Storm? I remember then there were some who were saying that that war going on there in the Holy Land, in the area around, you know, Jerusalem and Israel, that would result in the end. There was a church in Ocala about six years ago. Had billboards advertising the specific day. I guess they hadn't read the scriptures, had they? That we know not the day nor the hour, and we have further evidence of that. The fact is you and I are here today. The enemy keeps coming at us, and part of the reason those kind of things happen is in order to you know, try to beat us down and cause us to doubt. But the Lord says, watch. Not that we might know the specific day or the hour. He says, watch. Because there are signs around us every day that reveal to us He is coming, whether it's wars whether it is earthquakes, whether it is horrific fires, whether it is death, whether it is tragedy, you keep the list going, but the reality is the Lord is using those instances, those circumstances for the purpose of awakening us and opening our eyes to him saying, watch, I'm coming, repent, be ready. 
Well, Christians are to be on guard against such things. Mere observation will not suffice. If we could be so alert as to resist them with our own wisdom and might and strength, we would have no need of a Savior. Unceasing vigilance may be important, but it is impossible for our weak flesh. As disciples today, I believe we would fall asleep just as quickly as the disciples did in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, watch and pray for a little while. I think we just as easily fall asleep in the midst of him calling us to watch. When we observe the enemy, we must see our utter helplessness and flee for refuge to Christ alone. He died for us in his battle with the devil. He rose again as the victor. And now he gives you and me forgiveness, new life, and his power as we confront the enemy around us. So what do we keep our eyes and our attention focused on? Sometimes watching some of the old war movies, and I was uh, kind of pondering this this weekend. Martha's father died uh, the year I be, was at seminary. Let's see. Um, 1990, i got to get this date right, 7. Thanksgiving morning. One of the things I remember sitting with him doing was not only hearing some of the stories from World War II and Korea and then serving 20 more years in the Red Cross on bases around the world, but he was very comfortable still with um, the reality of war. And uh, he would often watch Hogan's Heroes, <laughs> which I kind of laughed at thinking, I'm glad you can find some humor in what you saw. And then the war movies, the John Wayne and the others. You ever watch any of the ones with naval ships and after one of the ships has sunk, there are the sailors or sometimes only one or so are even alive and there they are and looking to the horizon trying to find land to swim to. And here's the challenge. Is what, most is what is most important for us to focus upon the land and getting there for safety while we ignore the preserver, the Savior who's right next to us. If one who's fallen into the sea and one who's clinging for their life fails to grab hold of that life preserver, they will likely never make it to that promised land of safety. And so we, my friends, we need to cling to Christ as he embraces us with life in his word and sacrament, the means by which he graciously preserves you and me unto life eternal. We cling to him and him alone. The second one is keep watch for the Lord. Keep watch for the 
coming judge, keep watch for the one who is our Redeemer, our Savior. Being ready, being prepared, is basically an attentiveness to Christ. The day of his coming will come like a thief in the night. We know not the day nor the hour. His people are watching for him who will come to judge the living and the dead. But this watching is different than school children in a classroom. Remember this when you're a kid? I'm sure you got to. The teacher steps out of the room. I've got to go to the office for something. And the kids all kind of start to, you know, scurry around and play around and laugh and joke. But they put someone by the door to watch for the teacher. Look busy, she's coming. Uh-huh. But the Lord's coming is not like that. Because he comes as a thief in the night. There's no warning. There's no opportunity again to get focused and, you know, engaged in what is our task. He calls us now to be ready. So instead of us being on guard for a coming judge, Christ's people await a coming Savior. We know there is nothing we can do to get ourselves ready except to cling to the one who has prepared the way for us and gives it to us freely. Instead of attending to his grace, we watch for him as children, stand in the front yard waiting for their daddy to come home from work and scream with joy, Daddy's home! Daddy's home! They know that he's been at work providing for what they cannot provide for themselves. And they wait. And they celebrate when they see him. He calls us to be ready. He calls us to be on watch for the enemy. He calls us to, you know, keep watch for the coming judge and the one who is our coming Savior. But it's not all about us. It's not. So we keep watch also for our neighbors. Watchfulness consists of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as the writer to Hebrews says. We do this by attentiveness to his word. Always be prepared in season and out of season, the Lord says through Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Always be prepared. Or in that gospel reading today that talks about how my words will never pass away. Listen, what you and I do, it cannot prepare us. He prepares us. Our watchfulness, our preparedness comes from us clinging to Him and what He has done and remaining in Him in his word. You know, watching is not to be a spectator sport when it comes to being a follower of Christ. 
But I think a lot of us as followers of Christ have adopted that pattern. Sometimes uh, flipping through Facebook or other sites uh, on the internet uh, can give you a great testimony of life today. There was one post uh, this weekend that had three pictures. It had on Friday the malls packed with people, thousands of people waiting to rush in to get those Black Friday deals. And it had Saturday with thousands of people packing stadiums, cheering on their teams. And then it showed a church just like this with about this many people sitting there. A spectator sport? Or an active call to truly being with him, in him, in his word, where he is preparing us. And he keeps us focused on what he has done for us. And we, my friends, have a responsibility. Because we do what he does. He looks out for those who are not ready. He reaches out and he brings that same message of hope and life to those who are without. And we are his vessels. We are those servants that, again, our gospel reading talks about. We are those who are keeping the house ready. We are those who are tending to the master's business while he is gone. So that others, too, will know that by grace alone, through Christ alone, through faith alone, are we saved and are we ready. On your way home this morning, remember the gift that the Lord has given you today in his simple yet powerful command to watch. For not only have you been told what to watch for, you have a Savior who watches out for you. Looking to the specifics of Christ in His means of grace, you need not suffer some vague paranoia about the future, about His coming. Rather, you are kept confident, you are ready, and you are on guard against the attacks of your enemies and the worries of the world. Indeed, by Christ. And in him alone are you ready. Amen.